to Disjointed. Our podcast mission is to bring a voice to the problems facing decision-making in the built environment. Today, communication and processes are disjointed in the world of design and construction. Work happens across tools, teams, and timelines, making it hard to keep everyone connected. It's a constant challenge to reduce friction and meet project expectations. We believe there's a better way. Well, welcome to another episode. I'm excited for today. My pal in trouble over here, uh, the one I like to travel around and get in trouble with, mainly on ski slopes, Jake Olson. How you doing? Great, Jeff. Good to see you. Uh, it's great to see you. Jake and I usually meet up at least once or twice a year on a ski slope, so I always got to give him a little bit of junk. Um, although we haven't seen each other this year, Jake, so we're going to have to get that on the list. We're due. We will. All right. Well, hey, Jake, introduce yourself to everybody who doesn't already know you. Give them a little bit of background on uh, on you and what you're up to these days. Cool. Yeah, thank you. Uh, my name is Jake Olson. I've been in the construction industry for about 20 years now. Started as a structural engineer and then got more into the building products and uh, probably the last 10 years or so have been really focused on software. So I am currently CEO of a company called Dato. We are a effectively an intelligent document management platform for contractors, primarily trade contractors, subcontractors is where most of our business is. So uh, it's been great getting really close to a lot of projects, really close to a lot of um, people in the industry and and getting down deep into workflows and and how things are built today. And, And specifically, we see a lot of what's changing today from when I started the industry anyway. Well, and, and you know, you you underplay that a little bit. I've known you in that 10 years that you've been involved in it, and it's been a fantastic run. Your wealth of information, um, you know, data was built out of a lot of the um, learning that you did over time. So when we talk about disjointed, and when I say disjointed, this this brings out a lot of emotion from you. So when you hear disjointed, what does it mean to you? Yeah, we had a really unique experience when we started Dato of being able to kind of push pause for a few months before we started writing code, before we started building a product. And we spent about uh, four months just interviewing people in the industry. Um, a, a really fantastic process. I, I thought I knew everything, of course, but there's there's something to be said about just having an open book, a not an agenda, but really just open-ended questions about problems in the industry. And we kind of mapped out all the stakeholders. So everything from apprentices to building officials to, you know, we talked to the fire marshals to code and design, and then all through the construction phase, you know, from architects, engineers, contractors, all the different stakeholders in the contractor. And I think one of the big, so, you know, we were out to find problems or to really understand the challenges of of what's going on. And I think what became really apparent to us was, we have a lot of new technology coming into construction, a lot of fanfare around this. It's today easier than ever to create digital information around a project. That might be design changes, it might be updating a model, might be you know pub, uh, proving submittals. It's easier than ever to create information. It's harder than ever to keep track of it and to keep that entire project team up to date. And this kind of, we started calling it the digital divide. Um, but the gap between kind of the people who are in the know of the information and everybody else, I think, is increasing. And there's gaps between stakeholders. There's gaps within companies. For example, a, a project manager might be getting updates by email. Somebody in the field isn't being kept up to date in the same way. So that 
for me is what disjointed means. It is this huge kind of information gap in, in construction. And as I said, it's getting worse, not better as things more and more get digitized. It's funny you say that because you'd always think it, it would go the opposite way. But I think in digitization, it, it actually usually has a tendency to get a little bit more chaotic before it gets a little bit more <laughs> uh, predictable. So it's a little chaos before order. But you talked about it and we've, you know, you've listened into the season and we've talked a lot um, about it. And immediately when we started talking about it, you, you went into, Hey, wait, when you say you've interviewed the team, define the team. I mean, talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I've enjoyed uh, the season so far. So congratulations on launching a great podcast. Um, Some great interviews. Um, I think, you know, what a theme that comes out to me, which I, I believe in as one of the solutions to our kind of disjointedness is actually better educated owners, people who actually get involved in the construction process. But I think from what I've seen so far, there's still some shortcomings to this. And, you know, I worked on the Apple campus here and they were heavily involved in construction. And you can you can pick your list of the other big tech companies that have, have built. And a lot of them have hired significant construction teams into their business to build these campuses and data centers and what, and what, what have you. I think what gets missed is, is when we try to say, hey, we're going to bring the whole team in early. We're going to get everybody engaged, everybody involved. A lot of times that really just ends up being kind of like the design team and maybe the general contractor. When reality, the team, if you really map out the stakeholders, it's what I was just talking about. I mean, it's everything from the fire marshal to the distribution, the supply chain, you know, can we even ship those chillers on time? You know, is this type of tile even available for this fancy bathroom we're, we're dreaming up? You know, you really have to, when you talk about the project team, I don't think you can stop at the general contractor and the owner and the architect. I think there needs to be a, a wider group that's brought in from trade contractors to local officials to uh, supply and distribution, I think is a huge miss in a lot of those conversations. We just assume, especially today, um, you know, our supply chain challenges, in my opinion, are not going to get better anytime soon. And by trying to kind of pre plan systems, uh, finishes, um, simple things like doors, uh, can really get you in trouble today, unless you're looking way upstream into your supply chain to make sure that stuff can get delivered. Yeah. And I, it, it, it's crazy because we, you know, we had these discussions a long time ago about everybody having a seat at the table and you start to realize that that table is gigantic and nobody <laughs> can hear anyone. And, and that is what, you know, when we talked to, to John Sevens and Sala Eckhart, that's exactly what they echoed is that, you know, the right information from the right stakeholder, whoever that stakeholder is, has to surface at the right time. And it's, you know, they're doing it with a, a a mix of understanding the problem and identifying the problem and even in the, themselves saying, hey, we're getting better at every stage. And they're a top builder who's really exactly like you said, focused on it. They're the Microsoft, you know, they're building campuses and thinking forward. But even they, when they're thinking forward, then have to take a step back and say, oh, well, we, we have to have these processes. We have to know this information. And even at times, that's what they've said. If they've said, listen, before we've let other people make those decisions and we, we can't do that anymore. We, we have to allow them to present it to us so that we can help make an educated decision. And, and you and I were talking about this. A lot of, a lot of this gets pointed at, you know, finger pointing, you have a, a designer, you know, an architect who puts all these finishes and all these things in, and then a general contractor 
who takes it out. And, and it looks like it's one versus the other when really there's this whole thing, you know, we call cost in the middle and then you bring it up. Oh, supply chain. Like this, this table just getting really big. And, and I didn't even think about it. You said it before you have code compliance, right? You have fire marshals, you got facilities people that have to deal with this. This is, I mean, I, I, I'm just talking myself into more disjointedness. I mean, where do we go from here? Yeah, I mean, I do think these are are solvable problems. I guess I'm an, an eternal optimist. Um, and I do think technology will help in in some of this. I believe we can learn as an industry, uh, you know, simple things like how do we specify products? And when we write those alternatives into our spec book, you know, do we really accept those alternatives? Are we actually okay with, you know, four different models of a, of a water heater? Or did we, or because we put something into our, you know, our BIM, is that the one that we want and we only want that? So if the contractor, you know, the plumbing contractor shows up and says, hey, look, we can't get that water heater, we got to substitute. Are we all approved on that? Okay, are we, de- are we delegating that decision because it was an alternate in the spec book? Or did we really try to soul spec something in because that was the that was the actual product or actual finish or actual design that we intended and and you know I've been involved in a lot of of that kind of product level substitution requests and specification and I don't think today as owners in particular there's a lot of education there on what do we actually mean when we build a spec book what do we actually mean when we model something and and we draw something in, in plans and you know you get into the one thing I've really learned from this journey here at Dato is how often those three sources of information c- conflict. <laughs> and, you know, we've, we've always talked about this single source of truth. And I think somewhere along our journey, we say, look, we just got to agree that there is not a single source of truth. There's multiple sources of truth. And then we need to intelligently interpret, you know, what is intended by by those multiple sources, which one governs in which case, whether it's code you know, that's a very real legal issue we have to deal with, whether it's owner preference, whether it's supply and distribution, and understanding how those sources of truth, our model, our design, our specs, uh, owner intent fit together, I think needs a lot more attention, especially as we deal with managing cost, dealing with supply chain issues. And like I said, I think the kind of growing amount of information that makes up project documentation and and you know, project information effectively. Yeah, you, you raised a whole bunch there that that I want to dissect a little bit because some of that, you know, and, and you know me, I'm not a big fan of the single source of truth anyway, um, because, you know, I see data and I see those things through my eyes. So my, you know, my truth is driven by my perspective. So even though we have a single source of data or now we have multiple sources of data, which one pushes it and and what is the truth? And just like you said, is it is it my preference as an owner that pushes that? Is it the code that pushes it? And also then, you know, then you factor in time. So like all of a sudden, when does schedule become more important, right? right? Cause, cause a- along the way we're making decisions and we're saying, oh, it's these things, but then it's like, well, that's going to push everybody back. It, well, now we're not okay. This, so, so we change it too. We don't, we don't just like put a pole in the sand and be like, oh, that's it. That's the guiding light. Yeah, I mean, the truth is along the life of the project, there's various constraints. There's various kind of guardrails. Code compliance is one of them. Cost is one of them. Schedule is one of them. That design aesthetic, you know, is another one. And and each of those has 
kind of a, if you think about those as a range, as we move down the project, each of those, you know, you're kind of moving down the middle. You may get outside of the range of any one of those at any point in time. And you got to have a process in place to, to basically check to make sure you're within the guardrails from those areas, code, cost, schedule, uh, you know, design intent, but also be able to make quick decisions when, you know, when things do need to change and double check that you're in compliance in all those areas. Again, I think there are software solutions here, but trying to just hone in on one single source of truth is is not the, not the reality on most projects. We have to have, you know, I think we need to leave a little bit of fuzziness in our designs in order to make sure that we can meet some of those other constraints like cost and schedule. So- and I think it brings it it brings it back to where I love to go, right? This is this is a cultural shift in this business, right? This is something that, um, you know, when I think of the disjointed nature of it, it's really that um, not everybody trusts one another. There's not enough trust. There's not enough cohesion in what we do, so we are disjointed, right? And and we also we we feel and think that way. And you know, you hear a lot of things. I hear moving towards like TVD, target value delivery, and target value design, and um, you know really getting everyone involved and setting up the projects around, um, you know, it's a process to them, but to me, it's a cultural shift, right? It's like, Hey, listen, we, the reason we don't allow fuzzy right now is because fuzzy has caused way too many litigations over time. That's true. And we, we need though, to know that we have the owner's value in mind that they are pulling us forward from that rope perspective because you can't push a rope uphill. I don't care how good of a general contractor you are or an architect. If you got an owner that's not listening and not playing playing the playing in the same trust arena, it's not gonna it's not gonna work. So they have to set it and everybody has to jump on board. And then that can really guide us, allows, you know. Our rails are this thin right now, Jake. We need some. We need some wide rails here to to allow for those things to happen. And I think I'm with you. I'm an eternal optimist in that. As I've gotten to know each sector of this built environment, I'm thoroughly impressed with each one, and I'm thoroughly unimpressed with our ability to connect them all right. and use them to their to their full advantage. And I think it's a detriment to the industry itself, but also to project teams that deliver such beautiful buildings and bridges and stadiums. And just, I'm always amazed. And then they don't feel great about it until someday down the road. Right. So I, I think there's a possibility there. I just think it's, you know, I think the technology will make it work, but I think ultimately it's it's a cultural shift. And you and I have been watching this. I mean, I know you've been in and out of each of those spaces and and feel pretty similar about their expertise. I do. Yeah. I think, you know, I'll give you an example. One of the complaints I hear commonly from kind of downstream contractors trying to build is the quality of design documents has decreased, right? So Everything used to be dialed into the nines. Now we get kind of, like I said, kind of fuzzy drawings. You go and talk to the architects and engineers that are creating those drawings. They say, yeah, well, number one, we're not being paid to dial in everything to the, like, we're not creating construction documents as an architect and engineering firm anymore. That, that needs to go downstream because the people who build have a better, you know, better ability and closer to the supply chain, closer to fabrication methods. So why would we go through you know, hours and hours of trying to get 100% CD set out 
when we know it's going to get changed anyway. So we're actually kind of just from a total cost structure, we're actually not completely dialing in every single detail because we want that to go downstream. But so perfect example of of two very professional uh, groups. You have your contracting team that's got to build and your architect engineering that are both kind of optimizing, but creating a ton of friction between each other, disjointedness, because they don't understand why those decisions are being made on both sides. So yeah, you call that cultural, call it uh, just general mentality change. But I don't think it's, in my experience, it's not a an issue of lower quality people in the industry, I think it's actually gone the other way. And we have very high quality people working more and more so in the industry today. It's a misalignment of, you know, kind of objectives that hasn't been well communicated. So again, I think these are solvable problems. And I think the, um, you know, I think owners getting involved is super exciting. Like Microsoft was, you know, that was great to hear that. I think we got a ways to go though, before we get, um, you know, Johnson County Public School Department <laughs> kind of thinking that that type of level. Um, uh, so uh, we'll get there, Jeff. It's going to take people like you to uh, keep pushing us forward and helping have these conversations in my mind. Well, yeah, it's funny you say that. I, I had the episode with John Diffenderfer and he said exactly that. He said, you know, there's this change and shift and he's seen CMs taking over a lot of what they did when it came to construction drawings, which, you know, caused some of that friction and fuzziness. And and it's also caused some angst inside of, let's be honest, it's caused some angst inside of architects because architects, that was part of their cheese, man. And you just took their cheese and that was the whole discussion he and I had about, well, but this is a better chunk of cheese anyway. So I'm going to eat more of this cheese and you can, CMs, you can have that. And I'll just go get more of that good cheese. And it was, it was really about shifting and not blaming and saying, okay, this makes way more sense because as an architect, what I'm paid to do is to think about those things. And no architect in, in, is ever going to be able to consume all of the opportunities and, and things that are available to us to build buildings anymore. Like, I, it, it, that's impossible. Right? You know, like you would spend your whole life learning light fixtures and still not be there. Like, right? You can't. You, so there's a shift too. And then there's that also that shift because those general contractors are closer to our trade contractors who are beginning to, to build in a way from a manufacturing perspective that an architect's not going to understand. So they have to realize that their connectedness, right? They're disjointed now, but their connectedness can make each of them far greater than any one of them can be on their own. Yeah. No, I think that lighting fixture is a great example. You know, like where, Where's the responsibility lie on, you know, researching lighting fixtures? Who do we want to entrust with that? Is it the electrical contractor who does, you know, lighting every single day, all day long, knows all the distribution and supply? Is it the owner who has some, you know, aesthetic desires on how the lighting's going to look? The architect who's trying to, you know, lean on their experience to meet the owner's demand? I don't think that's just one answer. I don't think there's a single answer to that question. And I don't, and I think unfortunately on some jobs, we do end up with one answer, you know, oh, let's just leave it to architect, for example, versus the, the potential sources of truth. Again, I'll go back there, the potential sources of truth that might actually help optimize that, that lighting. So, you know, and this is where I think value engineering actually brings a lot of value to the, to the industry when it's done with the right participants. Um, 
And I think a lot of times that is not how it gets done. Uh, it becomes a cost cutting exercise between a GC and a, and an owner. And, um, but you know, that's the opportunity, right? That's why it's one of those terms you can't just use everywhere you go because it has definitely gotten a bad name, but it, it doesn't have to. And you're right. Because if, if, in a quick facilitated conversation, this is where technology, like not some new brand new thing out there necessarily, but just Zoom itself. I can put four of us in a room in, for, for a minute, a few minutes, and we can get this actually handled. Like, so, you know, I'm just shooting off the hip here, but you have a Slack channel with the team that's on there and the lighting comes up and it's like, hey, architect, what was the intent? Yeah. Hey, hey, owner, what, what did you want out of that? And hey, trade contractor, what are my options there? Everybody answers and then we go, we decide, you know, through a system that that works and then cool, we got a, we got a shot. Right. And now the question is, how do you do that um, given existing bids, given existing, uh, you know, submittals, given existing costs? How do you do that in a way that everybody's happy? That I think that's the, the challenge because- uh, it does. I, I even I simplify at times, Jake. So, yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. but I like that you have the uh, the the optimism. So before I let you go, is there anything you didn't say about disjointed or anything that's going on? You know what you might send me out to do next. If you had me go talk to anybody, would there be somebody you'd send me to to go talk to? Uh, I think I think the stakeholder growing the stakeholder holder list is important. And I think it would be interesting for you to talk to some code officials or building departments. I would love to hear that perspective. Um, and I believe the supply chain or distribution is another piece that actually really impacts the final delivery of the project that is, in my mind, been kind of down a little bit of a second thought on a lot of projects. But you know, you've, if you've been in projects, you know how big of an impact <laughs> that can have. Um, so those are two areas I'd love to hear more conversation from. And um, uh, the you've obviously got the, a great conversation started. So keep it up, please. Uh, well, I'm excited. Hopefully we'll get you back in as well. Let everybody know where they can connect with you. Find out more about Dato. Yeah, great. Um, projectdato.com is our website. I'm Jake at projectdato.com. And I'm very active on LinkedIn as well. That's probably the easiest place to connect with me. So We'd love to hear from you if you're dealing in a mess of uh, disconnected, disjointed information. Uh, give us a ring. I'm sure we can help. I love it because that is exactly what this is all about here. It's about a conversation so all of us can continue, just like you, to solve problems that really exist. So if you have any of those problems, you reach out to Jake and uh, and the team over there at Dato. And, and Jake, I want to thank you for all the things that you've brought to me and all the teaching you brought. And I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode of Disjointed. Remember to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our second full season. To learn more about Disjointed or read the show notes, just stop by disjointed.fm. This show is brought to you by Join, the decision-making platform for the built environment. Learn more at join.build.